Warning, this podcast contains no journalistic integrity. Welcome to the Gentleman's Soapbox. Today we're going to start with uh, a little bit of a listener response. Somebody was nice enough to send me in a correction. Uh, A very close friend of mine uh, decided that uh, she didn't want to just leave me being wrong about something, and it was very nice of her. She sent me in the definition of the word microaggression, which I apparently got wrong, which is a statement action or incident regarding an instance of indirect subtle or unintentional discrimination against members of a marginalized group such as a racial or ethnic minority um and that was nice because she's right i didn't get that correct and uh, the part of that is is that i still hate the word because uh, i when it comes to things like racism and discrimination there's no such there's no way to be unintentionally discriminatory or racist that to, to do either one of those it comes with intention if you're doing it unintentionally that's not racism that's ignorance which is something completely different because ignorance can be corrected just being an asshole can't Uh, And that actually also goes into a lot of what uh, we've talked about here, which is um, correcting ignorance and not throwing somebody under the bus for it, not hating someone just because they didn't necessarily see things from your point of view. Uh, And one of the examples I use is we have a listener who I've started to converse with a bit by the name of Yepix and Yepix and I do not see eye to eye in the least, but at the same time we've conversed back and forth. Both of us have said, have thrown out our ideas at the other. And actually today's topic is going to be one that to some extent Yepix brought up to me and it, it hasn't turned into argument, nastiness, hate, just disagreement, which is perfectly fine. It's when these disagreements have to turn into, I hate your guts and you should die, that it really becomes the problem, which is where we kind of are in the world today. But with that out of the way, today's topic is actually, I I kind of brought one in that's going to change the notes of this just a little bit, because we've been very much doom and gloom for the past few uh, episodes. Oh, actually, out of the seven episodes we've had, I think we've been doom and gloom in all of them. Well, I can't count one that's positive. (laughs) So uh, one of the things that Yepix brought up to me was the idea of the living wage or um, uh, minimum wage, however you want to put that, and whether or not everybody should have the opportunity to make a living wage. And I tried to think about this from as many different angles as I could because I can see it from a bunch of different angles. Um, Part of me, being the capitalist that I am, wants to say, um, you know what, we still haven't created a higher minimum wage, and yet wages are going up just because that's what the market is in, is m- making itself do, because otherwise people won't work for them. Um, is it made it up to $15 an hour? No, 
but at the same time, it, it is going in that direction on its own without the government having to mandate it. At the same time, I can also see it from the other direction that it, without any sort of counterbalance, if that's the right term, that I can see corporations just going, well, shit, if we can pay somebody 25 cents an hour, why not? So I'm kind of torn on that, and I went back and forth in a bunch of different directions. Oh, and I'll even throw in another thought process. I don't think that a minimum wage job is one that somebody should have as a career trying to make a living off of. I mean, that's what high schoolers are supposed to do. Kids in college and stuff like that are supposed to have minimum wage jobs to have pocket money. That's what McDonald's is supposed to be. But that's my own humble opinion. But I was thinking about how the economy is going and how it's changed, and I thought about the different ways in which the economies of the world have changed over the years, and I started actually, to my own surprise, becoming hopeful because something that I heard recently sunk into my brain and it made me feel good, which is... We all know about the Industrial Revolution, when the economy changed from agrarian to industrial, and it came with some pain, it came with some consequences, it came with some benefits, and but the world and life changed, and it continued to move forward, and the world did not come to an end. I think we're on the verge of another change in the way our economy works. And I don't think it's going to be unpainful. I don't think there's not going to affect anyone negatively, but I see it being very, very hopeful on the other end of it. And a lot of that comes down to the changes in how things are manufactured. And I don't, I think we're going from a economy in which people are, are rewarded and paid for what they produce and instead being rewarded and paid for what they create. Because we're really, in the foreseeable future, not going to need people to produce anything. It's all going to be done by robotics. But we're always going to need creatives. And I, I find that hopeful. The idea that there is still a way for people to continue to have purpose in this world, even if it's not to go to a job and manufacture something. And I'm sitting here thinking to myself, Sean, of all people, is probably going to love this idea. So, soapbox to Sean. Oh, man. Yeah, you've covered about eight topics in, in the span of five <laughs> well, minutes here. Well, I did say that this kind of started flowing in my brain in a bunch of different directions. I was trying to think about where to come at this from. And as I said, I, I, I know that I can see it from both sides and both directions. So it's, it's one that I have a difficult time with because I usually have a very easy time going this is the way I see it, this is the way I think it should be, and this is the way I think it should work. Whether that's the way it does work or not is completely beside the point. But I have an easy time usually seeing it from, my, from that perspective, and I couldn't do that with this. And as I started thinking further and further and further ahead and going in so many different directions, when I suddenly remembered a, a guy who was very much involved with uh, the creation of the Internet talking about people getting paid for the things that they create versus the things that we manufacture, the ideas that they come up with. I, I found that surprisingly hopeful, which is a weird feeling for me. <laughs> well, I, I break it down, and this is just my personal methodology. I break it down into, um, and you'll have to forgive my voice going in and out uh, here in the, this show, I'm just getting over the flu. 
Uh, not COVID. Wait, wait, wait. Amazing that. The flu. Somebody actually yeah. just has the flu. Yeah, it was. Uh, I got tested. It wasn't COVID. I got tested twice. It wasn't COVID. It's just the regular old flu. It still zapped me for five days. But other than that, um, <clears throat> but I break it down into three kind of distinct methodologies of thinking uh, when you talk about this type of of thing, whether it's uh, whether you want to look at it as jobs or employment or, you know, depending on which spect- side of the spectrum you're on. Uh, Short term, midterm, long term. And our our short term is at least right now very, very normally the short term is very clear. Uh, the right now, because we're coming off of a global pandemic and things are a little weird and uh, the elite class has seen fit to not do anything. And in typical fashion, when it comes to needing real leadership, they went, no, 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 no. Let's just ride this out. You know, um, and whether you agree with their motivation or not, which I think very few people will you can kind of see what their motivation is. We are rich with the things exactly the way they are. Why would we want them to change? Yeah, and that's that clearly they don't. Uh, they would really, you know, helping the lower and middle class uh, grasp a better life is not in their best interest. However, um, you know, right now it's a little bit better because in the first time in God, how many knows decades, uh, the working class has a little bit, not a lot, but a little bit, the, the tiniest whiff of leverage, right? They can't, um, in certain sectors, uh, food service, you know, the service industry, the hospitality industry can't just say, screw you. You take what I give you. I give you minimum wage. If you don't like it, I'll get somebody else here in 10 minutes who'll do the same job as you. They can't do that right now. No. And for that, and that's why they're grumbling. They can't just say, screw you, you're interchangeable, you know, uh, you're a cog. I can go get another one. Do what I tell you. They can't do that right now. And I say that very truthfully, right now. That may last for, you know, to the Christmas season. It may last a little bit past you know, maybe maybe we got eight months of this. Maybe we got ten months. I, I don't know. But it is the short term. Because when things equalize, companies, businesses will go right back to getting away with as much as they can get away with. That's just how they work. True. And I think one of the fallacies then where I have such a difficult time coming around this concept is – it's one of those things where you want to look at both sides and so you need each other. You know, it, well, that's not a popular uh, theory. No. Now. And, and um, it, I, a, a guy I worked for several years ago made everybody read this book called Personal Responsibility. And it was just what you would expect from a bullshit story or book that your uh, HR manager decided that everyone should read. There was one thing that I took away from it that was uh, something that I've always kept in the back of my head, which is one of the things that can poison a, re- a working relationship is the concept of entitlement. And, and it works both ways. 
because you as an employee are not entitled to your paycheck. You have to work for it. With that said, your employer is not entitled to your work. He has to pay you for it. And that really does work both ways. And it's, I don't know whether I want to say humorous to me, but interesting to me how many people on both ends of that spectrum don't grasp the fact that that's the way that works. And if you don't have both sides of that, it doesn't work. Oh, clearly. And, but I guess I I say that, but it's not, um, but it's, it's not a, a, it's, it's always been one way or the other. And normally, normally it, it leans towards the employer because they're the ones with the sales. They're the ones with the product. They're the ones with the investment and they're the ones with the money. So, all the rules are written by default to favor the employer. Only recently have we had some protection as employees uh, to balance that out a little bit. Not a lot, but enough that there's not revolting societies. And, and I guess where I'm coming from is, is the fact that it is really it, – it, the idea that we're going to knock everybody down and that we're going to have everything be even – is ridiculous there's always going to be people who have more than others and oh like, there's always going to be yeah always going to be haves but, and have-nots but, but what what it's what's really required though is a balance between the two well that's the short term is is right now employees have a little bit of leverage a little bit yeah right now uh because of the way things are and the way humanity is and the way our country is and the way products and, and trade and commerce and demand works, uh, it's just a mess. It's a mess, and we're just trying to slog through it. I get it. You do what you got to do. And on the, on the ground floor, it's really easy to see where the trends are, but I don't think it's as easy to see. You can't look at that short term and figure out, where the long term is going you can look and see what the trend is right now today if you're in the hospitality industry you could expect to be paid more than you used to be right now <laughs> um, midterm uh, things are going to be a little bit different i think you're you're right in that the way we do things is going to have to change. I don't think it's going to change much. Um, there's way too much money, way too much power, way too much establishment, red tape and bureaucracy between, uh, the middle and lower income, uh, people and the higher income brackets in the elites. Uh, there's much more of us, but they have all the money. So uh, that's going to be a, a, a large fight. Uh, it'll be that's where you're going to see the most turmoil happen, to be honest, I think is in the midterm. And, and that's why I suggested that the trans the transition, if it is successful, is not going to be an easy one. In fact, might be rather painful. Well, I, I, transition always is. Uh, it's it's never been. Look at any transition we've ever had. Uh, the Industrial Revolution put a lot of people, a lot of farmers out of work, but it put a lot of people into more stable factory jobs. Uh, now, you can look at and say, yeah, but those killed people was horrendous working conditions. Yes, that's absolutely true. There were also horrendous working conditions on the farm because of the abject poverty. Uh, 
there there was a lot I mean it's a trade. It's always a trade. There's always a trade off. That's always the way it's worked in human society. That's probably always the way it is. Every time you have a large change, there's some good stuff and there's some bad stuff. The bad stuff happens up front. And so I guess where I'm going with this is that when you start taking into effect that a lot of the manual labor jobs over the next over, over the foreseeable future, and I do mean foreseeable future, we're talking decades, not centuries here, are going to disappear due to automation. No question on the sun. Oh, sure. And it, it, it's already started and it's only going to get worse. So at some point with the obviously you're still going to have the hospitality industry. You're still going to have the service industry. But at the same time, with not needing a person to go and literally physically build something, what do we produce? And so what we what you find is that if is as time goes on, what we produce is ideas creativity you may not necessarily need to have need to have a person in a restaurant cook for you there may be an automation that does that but you still need somebody to create the recipe oh well that's the the you know the old argument that uh you know the internet will kill books well no it didn't it's just it could, actually if you want to look at it it created more books and you know, what it killed was the publishing industry. What it killed was the publishing, right? So there a lot of publishers. I used to work my one of my first jobs when I was in high school. I worked at a printing uh, printing uh, print shop. I ran a print press. That print shop has since went out of business. Now a long time ago, uh, probably around 2000, uh, 2005, something like that. It just went out of business because people don't need that same. That same thing anymore. You can order it off online, and it's cheaper, and it comes to your house. You don't have to come pick it up. It's less expensive. It's probably better quality. And, it's and, you know, and that's if you want it on paper in the first place. Right. So, I mean, did it kill books? No. Did it kill publishing industry the way it was? Yeah, I'm sure as hell did. Uh, but you know, it also gave rise to the audiobook. Uh, and and digital books and PDF books and and all of that. So the novel didn't go away, but the publishing industry did largely. I mean, there's still books and stuff and magazines and everything out there. Uh, one of the other places I worked when I was uh, coming up is is a magazine publisher. I mean, uh, the, the the internet did nothing for the pulp magistry industry, uh, magazine industry. It, like nothing, just destroyed it. But up came the rise of blogs and uh, review websites and stuff like that, which and, I also did. And even then, you've got uh, journalists um, who are fleeing the newspapers and magazines and creating sites, substacks, blogs, all of that of their own, in which case they sell their own writings in that fashion versus right. having to have it go through and be even a lot of times altered by a publisher. So, yeah, I mean, the medium has changed. The methodology, the distribution has all changed. The fact that we need these things has not changed. In fact, we, we have more of them now. There are more books published today than there were 30 years ago. Well, and, and once again, because you don't necessarily need to have a publisher proof of what it is that you... Well, uh, yeah, I mean, the the word published has also, the definition of that has also changed. Yeah, so, 
there's there's a there's a lot that that goes into that. Now you can look at any side of it and say, okay, you know, this has destroyed a lot of jobs. Yes, but it's created many or more. Um, of well, all people, uh, of all people, uh, Elon Musk, I think had it close. And I'm not a big Elon Musk fan. I'm not a, a hater either. But you just have to admit he's a little bit on the weird side. He is. He is. Um, but, uh, you know, he – I can't remember what interview it was for, but he was talking about how the humanity will work in the future. And he said um, – and this is – I think this is true to us to a point. Things will – you know, as technology progresses, things will get cheap. Food, energy, manufacturing, all of those things will get exceedingly cheap because – it's all automated. It's all computer based. It's all, it's all taken care of for you. All that stuff. So the, the quality of life, like all humanity will be able to afford clean water, food, housing, transportation, you know, uh, uh, products to live and stuff like that. Like the, the overall base of the, of humanity will be raised because everything gets cheap. If you can afford, if everyone can afford, no matter how, uh, you're set uh, to to have your your basic living uh, provided, then you know you've you've actually helped out humanity a great deal. Um, also, he uh, he was talking about, and this is the this is the one uh, that I, I'm not sure I agree with yet. I, I think he's right, but I I don't know how it would work. He said there'll have to be like some kind of universal base income. They'll have to be. And whether it's provided by a government or uh, some kind of network that farms out things for you to do. Um, I heard a, uh, I heard an interesting thing the other day about it, um, that our economy in the future might work like an RPG game uh, or an, uh, an MMO in the future. Like anybody can work. If you want to work, you can work and you can work as much or as little as you want. And there's just this network of jobs out there. If you've ever played an MMO, you'll know what I'm talking about. You can go to a quote unquote job board and there's stuff that your level of character can do. And you can go and take one of those quests, one of those jobs, one of those whatever for whatever it is that you need. And depending on your skills, you have certain things that are available to you and you can go do those things. Um, it might work like that. Uh, you know, they implement some kind of system where it's like, hey, you know, log in here and what can you do? Well, we pay you this much for those level of skills and you just go do those and you get what you need. I don't know, but I think he's right. There'll have to be some kind of different economy because right now what we all pay for is is very valued you know we pay for energy it's very very expensive we pay for manufactured goods they're very expensive we pay for food it's very expensive what if it's not and well i mean that's where you actually start getting into the star trek economy I, i'm assuming you know where i'm going with that with the economy that oh, yeah. no longer uses money money because you can replicate and create anything you want so why would you need to pay for things? What you then do is have, you know, more of an idea of 
working for ideas, working for enrichment, working for even people who just choose to live their life and experience. You know where I, I, I think that breaks down? Go uh, Lazy bums like me? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. um, go watch <laughs> DS9. There's a fantastic scene where Jake and Nog are sitting around DS9. And Jake's like, hey, uh, I need to borrow some money. He's like, what for? He goes, well, you know, I'm with the Federation. We don't have any money, but we got to get money to, to get that. And he's like, you don't have any money? No, we don't really need any of the Federation. Well, then you don't need any of mine, right? And Nahag was, you know, telling, you know, because they're, no matter how goodwill you want it to be, I don't think humans are capable of that level of existence without some kind of, uh, gains system you know representation as to who has more and who is better than <sighs> well no that's easy to see i mean kids kids prove that all the time you know like they don't have any money but they can always tell who's got more than who right and and it's not necessarily money sometimes it's clothes sometimes it's family sometimes it's whatever it is they can they can kind of suss out automatically it happens instantly who is has less than somebody else and it's it's very simple to do it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with money but what what i think we're we're heading towards is sometime in the future and this is long after you and i are gone um probably children's grandchildren if we if we make it that far as a society uh i think you could get to a point where Everything is manufactured cheaply, and we have figured out clean energy and power and food and and everything else. And at that point, you know, where your basic needs are taken care of, okay, what now? There's only a couple other things we can do. We can create, which is probably where I lean. Um, You can restore, also where I lean. You can explore, and you can entertain. Now, some of, there's some overlap in each one of those things, but because um, you know, uh, create and entertain, you could create entertainment. You know, like uh, people are going to get too into that, but but those are really the the four things we can do. And I I think your 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 value will come for one of those four things, one or more of those four things. In the future, because that's in the far future, I should say, uh, because that's what humans do. That's all we do. And I, I guess that's what I found myself suddenly encouraged was the fact that there was a path forward. You know, anybody who's been listening to this cast since the beginning realizes that I'm pretty much convinced that the world is coming to an end in the foreseeable future and we are all just screwed. So seeing that there was, though difficult to get to, maybe not the best for everybody, what what is, the fact that there is a path forward, that there is a way to exist, I found heartening. I, I look for that every time I see it, and uh, every time I hear about it, and every time I, I go and, and it's, you can find people creating all the time. We're, 
There's a, and I'm going to reach back in obscurely here. There was a, uh, a cartoon back in the 90s. And I, I'm going to get this right on. I think it's Exo Squad. Oh, the, the guys who would plug themselves into the exoskeletons. Absolutely. Did you ever see that? Yeah. Oh, my God. You're like the only it, other person. It, it doesn't hold up. No, it doesn't. Uh, it, it, we've already so surpassed many, some of their stuff. Well, but. It's just like so many of the things we watched back in the 90s and stuff like that. As cool as and awesome as we thought they were, we go back and watch them and go, oh, my God, this was just really badly redubbed over anime. Yeah, but some of the, the things they explored, and it was it was done by the same people, I think, who did uh, X-Men. Uh, in the 90s, it was the same art, same art style, even some of the same voices. Uh, but but part of it was actually really, really well done. And they were trying to they were their reach was a little bit bigger than their grasp. OK, but um, one of the things that they one of the th- theories that they they exuded was they created a, a subspecies of human called tanks and these tanks they made to make life better for themselves and they they did all the hard work all the the work think blade runner they made these these beings to do all the work they didn't want to do replicants that didn't quite look human right and as a result of that of course they rebelled and it was bad and the uh you, you one think, of them you think was humanity on this. would learn this, whether it's Cylons, replicants, or tanks, whatever these guys were called. They always rebel. Oh yeah, no, they always rebel. That's that's the nature, and I'm convinced of this. The nature of conscious beings is to be unoppressed over the long term. There will eventually be a rebellion, always, always, whether it's inside, outside, whatever. It it is not a state that can exist forever. It just can't. But uh, one of these guys was on their squad, and he's talking to him, and the machine talked to him, and it shouldn't have. His their exo frame talked to them, and it shouldn't have. And he's like, "Holy crap! It talked to me. You know, it's alive. It knew me." And the uh, the tank said to him, "Humans are great creators." though often unaware of the consequences of their gift. And the line has always stuck with me. I thought it was one of the best lines I'd ever heard as far as summing up human nature. We have great capacity to create, but we have no idea of the, you know, if we, we don't, uh, and it goes along the same lines as, you, you know, you, uh, the the whole Jurassic Park thing you you spent so much time figuring out if you could you didn't think about if you should. Well, we there, have a gr- there, there's also another part of that that comes into that which is and I for life of me I cannot remember where the hell the quote came from which is the quote of what have you done for me lately? <laughs> Janet Jackson is that what that was? Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, but but it's, it's a lot of it comes down to it is we, we create, but we don't a lot of times take the time to look forward as to what's going to happen to the future. It's what can I get out of it right now? Well, what and have that's you done for yeah. me lately. The uh, we we tend to look at at a certain thing as solving a certain problem. OK, but you don't think about what else you can do with it. And it's. One of the things that you must learn about humans is we are capable of vast 
degrees of uh, uh, improvisation. And because you designed or built something for good does not necessarily mean it will always be used for such. In fact, I can guarantee you it won't be. Uh, Unintended consequences. Of course. And you can take anything and twist it. The problem with humanity is not that we cannot create a, a an excellent technology or clean energy or or um, you know a harmonious society or we can't fix our economy or we can't uh, design a system where leaders don't beat the living tar out of the rest of us. It's not that we can't do these things. It's that there are people in positions, brilliant people who take the ideas or, or, or live off the backs of others, brilliant people who take all of these good ideas and all of these good products and all of these good systems and any, anything and twist it to their own devices. So it's, it's not that we couldn't go forward and, and create a, a virtual utopia. It's that humanity won't allow itself to do that. So what you're going to get is – is an imperfect system that is capable of supporting a lot more people and a lot more in, in a better lifestyle than they are currently. And when that happens, um, I liken it to what happens when, you know, you're there's, there's, uh, for example, a violent tornado coming towards your house. Everything gets really simple, right? Everything gets really simple. Protect you, protect the family, Get it, get safe, ride it out, make sure everybody's okay, right? Everybody you know, all your neighbors, all that stuff, make sure they're okay. When when bad things happen, decisions get very simple. Yes, no, good, bad. It's very simple and it's instinctual. You can make them in a heartbeat. When things are good, Holy crap, you waffle over the least decision and you bitch and you moan and you scream and you troll and you just everything's all bad. And and the the better it is, the worse you bitch about it because there's nothing else to bitch about. And if you want an example of this, go on, I don't know, whatever social media uh, outlet of your choice and go look at what people are complaining about. I mean, these are all first world problems. I mean, yes, some things are important, but they're 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 making wild, wild hate and and trolls and and everything over issues that are not as big as they're making them. And I think as you go forward with technology, fixing a lot of of humanity's problems, which I think we are capable of doing. Um, if you look at the way computers and computer-aided technology, design, manufacturing, and and uh, that kind of thing have have progressed our society, even since you and I have been alive. I mean, remember a car from when we were born? Oh, yeah. Holy crap! I know. No, crap is actually the the right word for it. Yeah, the <laughs> operative word. Yeah. Um, we were both Jake and I were both born in the seventies and, uh, it, it's, it wasn't a pleasant time. And if you haven't seen a 1974 Oldsmobile, <sighs> there's, it's just, it's just death warmed over. Okay. They didn't even have the cool style of the sixties, you know, or, or anything like that. Just, it was, 
It was horrifying. And, and then brown color that they. Oh, well, who? God. My neighbor, not my neighbor, the, a guy I knew when I growing up. Like we lived on one side of the uh, the road in you know a really shitty rundown place, and uh, across the road was actually a pretty nice gated neighborhood, and and never the two shall meet or or whatever. But every time I'd walk to school, um, there was this gate that would open up, and out of it would pull a 1978 Corvette. You know, the the C3 model with the, the hips on the front of the hood. You know, it's just yep. it's sexy and curvy and everything. And it was, and I'm not kidding, Dookie Brown. <laughs> and even then, as a five-year-old kid walking my ass to kindergarten, that I went. That looks like poop. That car, like, who would buy that? Like, and I had never seen. I didn't even know what a Lamborghini or a Ferrari. I, I didn't know what European cars were. Uh, and I'd sure hell never seen one in, in uh, extremely urban uh, Chicago. Uh, that was the, the coolest car I'd ever seen. And I just, even as a five-year-old, went, why would anyone paint it that color? It's the color of poop. Like, why? It had a beige interior. And you're just like, ugh. Uh, but anyway, that's that was what we were dealing with, and now we have cars like we have today. I mean, look at computers. God, computers uh, didn't even exist, really. I mean, they did, but, I mean, they took up a whole room. Uh, it had the power of a, you know, wrist calculator. And, and, uh, and, the, and the worst part about it is is that the phone that you have in your pocket now is actually more powerful than that room was. Yeah, I mean, we have more computing now in a smartwatch than we did on the space shuttle. I mean, it's ridiculous, but look how far that's come. That's been 40, 35, 40 years. It's it's unbelievable. We don't have flying cars, and people always point to this. Well, we don't have flying cars. It's because humans can barely handle driving on the ground. <laughs> okay, you don't maintain. Every time you bring this up, I just picture cars raining from the sky. <laughs> oh, yeah, you don't maintain your freaking Chevy now. Let's let's add a third axis and make it fly so you can crash into someone's house. Like no shit, my work van needs to be inspected. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. This is what I'm saying. Like everybody lets that slide. Let's yeah, let's let's make them fly and make them like flying bombs. Uh, so you're reasonably safe in the suburbs from you know people plummeting from the highway, you know, or whatever. So there's yeah we're gonna drop an air fuel bomb on your house how about that you know but flying cars no like no we're not ready we can't the reason we don't have them is because we can't handle them we can barely handle drinking and driving I mean like there's already it's you're not supposed to do that and people still do like drinking and flying that sounds worse um, I'm coming in for a land the landing you know like no no uh, but. But look at look at cell phones, right? Uh, there used to be a, uh, a television show in the 80s called Knight Rider. I'm sure you remember. Back when everybody actually thought David Hasselhoff was cool. Yeah, that's the reason I thought it was cool. And, you know? and, and another show that doesn't hold up. Oh, my God. Have you seen any of the episodes recently? Oh, yeah. No, if you watch them in high def, the amount of black duct tape that we held Kit together oh. is staggering. It's just it's it's so bad and you can see the paint and it's just it's like oh but it was cool back oh, then. 
Well, I mean, once again, you also didn't have TV as high of definition as you do now. Your old, two t- your old tube TV didn't show you the duct tape holding the fender on as it went flying by uh, back then. These oh, yeah. It was kind of like, is that about to fall off? <laughs> Yeah, it's like 320i was the original, you know, that was that was broadcast in the essentially 320i and now we have, you know, 4K. It's it's not even a comparison. Like go go back and watch even modern-ish shows like uh, TNG. You can actually see the plywood on the set of the Enterprise, right? Uh but the uh, <laughs> the the wall shakes when the doors close. I mean, it's terrible. It's really terrible. Uh but uh, you know, it was supposed to be this space-aged car and all that kind of stuff, and basically it had uh, Bluetooth hands-free, it had a uh, mobile map, and uh, some other, you know, some other random things, and that was super futuristic. We have that in a phone now, and our phone is about the size of a 1980s wallet. I mean, it's it's ridiculous how much technology has has gone forward and will continue and we're to not go forward. terribly far off from your phone being able to talk to you like Kit did. No, no. And if you're talking to Siri, it's close. It, exactly. So, or Alexa, if you're a, uh, uh, I am as well. <laughs> uh, if you're. Have you seen the new Alexa that will follow you around the house? Yeah, it's creepy. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's just super creepy. Uh, there's, we renamed, we do have an Alexa, uh, pill in, you know, the little disc. It looks like a hockey puck. Yeah. In, uh, in our house, we have one. And, uh, we renamed it computer so we could talk to it like Star Trek, you know. <laughs> and what's funny. Computer. Oh, uh, we do. We do. Computer, you know, shields up, you know, computer, fire photon torpedoes and it will. Uh, what's funny is if you're watching Star Trek and they talk to the computer and they go, computer, you know, red alert. It will actually work with Alexa. She will do the Star Trek red alert noise, you know, and uh, oh. they can. Uh, it's hysterical to watch Star Trek talk to Alexa. Well, the other part about it is, is that if you don't change the name from Alexa, don't link it to your actual um Amazon account because if it hears shit on the TV, it will order it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't do that. Uh, but there's, I mean, technology will make things cheaper. It will make them better. It will make them so that we can kind of come to a basic standard of living for almost anybody. I truly do believe that. And it has increased a lot of, of the ability of mankind to, to live comfortably. And I know that doesn't apply to everybody. They're like, there's children in Africa. I know. But for a lot of the semi-developed world and developed world, it really has improved a lot of things. And, while it's not perfect and it hasn't worked for everybody, nor do I think it will work for everybody ever. I really don't think that. I think humanity is so flawed that, that we can't get everybody on, you know, the Care Bear treatment where everybody gets everything and everybody's happy. You know, it's like the Matrix. It was a disaster. I mean, like, <laughs> we're not capable of it. Well, then, as you've been saying this, what I've been sitting here thinking, and I'm going to get into shall we say, high concept here now. Um, 
do you think in the process of all of this that as we're coming to that border of what do we do as it changes, are we getting close to what, you know, cosmologists have referred to as the great filter? Are we getting close to what Fermi was worried about? What was Fermi worried about? Uh, whether or not there was a point in which society just wouldn't make it past. Oh! Oh, 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 sorry, brain fart. Okay, so yes and no. I think we're getting past, I look at it as plateaus, and that may be wrong, but that's just how my brain chooses and, to filter. And, and actually, let me let me cut back, just since, since um, I apparently I went a little bit on the obscure side, and let me explain where I was going with this. Uh, the Faramir paradox is the, if there are so many, many habitable, possibly, possibly habitable worlds in the universe, where is everybody? The, uh, and then the other thought process that goes on that is the great filter, that there's a, a level at which in a, a, a final, shall we say, test that a society has to finally make it past and survive for it to actually continue on. And that if not, that that's one of the reasons why we, there isn't, once again, teeming life that we've seen all over the place in the universe is because it gets filtered out. Yeah, I think we're right at the plateau before that change occurs. And because we've explored the large part of the inhabitable planet, we we have expanded in every continent except for Antarctica, uh, and we even still have some stuff there. And as the ice shelf melts, we're gonna we're gonna go there too, uh, no matter what any country has agreed upon that nobody's gonna colonize Antarctica. Yeah, they yeah, will. Bullshit. Yeah, it's it's going to be land. It's going to be better because it's going to be new and it's unspoiled. And trust me, they're going to figure a way. Okay, uh, <laughs> just like life finds a way, so does corporation. Uh, but <laughs> I I truly think we're we're about at the point where we're going to have to explore or die. We are going to have to leave this planet because we're consuming the resources here. There is no frontier on the planet anymore. I mean, there's the ocean and stuff. And, yes, we've explored 1% of the ocean or whatever. But the ocean can't support humans, not the way the land does. Well, we need a planet. Did you watch Sequest? I did, and it still <laughs> and it didn't, it didn't work then, and it doesn't work now. Uh there's there's still too much we don't know today about on it. Obscure ninety sci-fi. Oh man, you know the Sequest called the internet and everybody laughed at them. They called it, and uh, what Heinlein called the internet. You know, it didn't come from you know just just one spot. Like everybody eventually was like, what if there was this? Way? I mean, we've been reaching towards that for a long Heinlein time. Heinlein called the internet the military. The, the way that morality was going to work, and he called California. Yeah, and that's yeah, but if you're going to go with Heinlein, it's just it's, it's so depressing. Like because it's like we've we've materialized almost all of that in almost the exact same way, and well, it's just uh, depressing. See, I thought you would like Heinlein. Heinlein's idea was we were going to live forever and fuck everything. Yeah, but but it's, uh, it's, uh, we're not. Like we didn't we didn't get any of the good parts. We got all the shitty parts. It's like no, uh, but. I think, you know, I think we're we're gonna have to go. We're gonna have to to find other uh, like we're, technology will have to progress so that we can leave the planet. Every time we've ever progressed, every time we've ever really leaped forward as a society, 
not as not in technology, but as a society, it has come about with the expansion and exploration of places other than what we know. And our planet is about done. We're, we can't do any more other than, you know, deep ocean stuff. But nobody wants to live at the bottom of the ocean. They want to live on other planets. We're going to have to learn space travel and terraforming. That's where we have to go. Technology has to progress to the point, And we have to not destroy ourselves long enough to figure out space travel and terraforming. Now, people can argue about what goes on in other countries, but uh, just with regards to the U.S., do you think we have the political will for that exploration at the moment? Uh, As a government, no. As corporations, yes. I think it will not be – it won't be a government expansion. I see where you're going with that. With that said, my worry is is that somebody like Elon Musk or the guy who does Virgin Atlantic or uh, Jeff Bezos, that somewhere along the line a mob is going to kill him for spending the amount of money it goes to space versus solving world hunger instead. And that's what Probably. I mean by the political will. Probably that's true in some cases, uh, but honestly, even even the the astronomers and and you know engineers who study this type of of advancement will tell you um, we have to leave. We well, have to. It, there's it will, nowhere like there's a finite amount of resources here, and you can't recycle forever. Well, and actually, the the one thing that I've always absolutely loved hearing them say is when the argument made of we should be spending more time cleaning up the environment here is making the statement of the exact same technology that you would need for terraforming is the same technology you would use for cleaning things up here. Doing one helps the other. Yep. So it's like, why are you working on this? It fixes so many things. It fixes uh, employment. It fixes technology. It fixes the planet. It fixes goals, long-term goals. If and, and and we've always been really, really good at this, right? Look at almost any, except for the '90s tech boom. Look at almost any of the real advancements that society, not technology, but society has 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 done, and it's been because there were a bunch of have-nots that were provided a path to explore someplace new, they took it and prospered. We live in a country like that. Now, I'm not going to get into the semantics and the arguments of, you know, yeah, but we took it from another indigenous people. That happened all over the world. Well, no, right. Okay. If you want to live on a piece of land that hasn't been conquered by somebody else who's living on it now when somebody else previously was living it there go to antarctica or the moon other than that you're just screwed right so there's nowhere else to go there's no advancement for them there's no there's no chance for frontier spirit there's no anything we have to leave and I know that sounds weird, and, and I, this is coming from a guy who hates travel, 
I don't even like air travel, much less space travel. I, I feel about it much like Leonard McCoy in the newer Star Trek movies. You know, it's it's darkness and death wrapped in silence. And, you know, I mean, it's just it's terrible. I don't want to go. I think we as a people should go. We have to. But I ain't going. <laughs> There's lots of people out there who'd love to do that. I'm not one of those. Right. I I, I don't need that. But. But if you want to look at where we need to go, technology has to progress to the point where we can we can travel and we can terraform. And if you can do that, I think you're getting past, as you were talking about, I think you're getting past the filter. Because once you can expand, once you can go somewhere else, you know, people are trapped here. I mean, if you're you're trapped here, there's only a number of things you could do if you're given. okay, well. And that's what people who came to this country did. We were kicked out of every reputable country in the planet. I mean, it's just, <laughs> yeah, just go there. I mean, that's that's how our country came to be. So that doesn't surprise me that, you know, thinking logically about it, that's where we would need to go to to make some kind of advancement. We have to get we're at that plateau right before that, I think where technology needs to overcome those two barriers and then we're past the filter. We're past that plateau. We can move forward and it opens up everything. And I, I, and that's long. I mean, long after we're gone. I mean, I I just, I, we're, we're talking way forward. It's not like Elon Musk is not going to die on Mars. And if he does, it'll be because his oxygen tanks ran out like as soon as he got here. Or they made another math mistake and bounced his freaking thing off the surface of the Mars. And, oops, our bad. We did yards instead of meters. <laughs> okay, uh, let, let's admit it. Elon Musk is going to be the first person to download his personality into a computer. So he's never going to die. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. You, I, you, can't, I just... you can't really argue that I'm wrong on that one. I, it's, it's, it's entirely possible, although I don't, I'm not suggesting just, whether or not that's a good idea. I'm just saying that he's the one who's going to do it. Uh, well, it's just, I know he's got plans for all kinds of stuff, but I mean, there, there are going to be several generations of pain before we get there, but I think that's where we have to go. We're right at that plateau right before that, where we don't have a clear direction. There's nowhere to expand to. Everybody's pissed off. Everybody's in the churn. Things are starting to get weird. What do you do? Well, there's nowhere to go because there's no there's no way up from here right now. And historically, and we I've, fixed that and with I've, technology. I've agreed with you wholeheartedly on all of that. What I think made me want to go down this road today is the fact that somewhere along the line, somebody said something that actually gave me an idea that there might, not is, might be a path forward. Not an easy one, but one that at least exists. Mm, You mean short term or like long term? Long term. Short term, term I'm pretty much considered we're, we're just basically fucked short term. 
yeah, no, I would I would largely agree with that. But I think long term, yeah, I think there's I'm I'm basically assuming the way I go out as I for years, I always thought the way I would go out as a heart attack at work. I'm pretty sure that somebody's going to throw me out of my wheelchair and stomp me in the middle of a riot when and within the next 20 years or something like that. Oh, no, they won't have to do that. They'll just um, they'll just hold those. uh, What are the death meetings, death conferences and stuff and just deny your medication. That's what they'll do. I actually, you and I will die because we didn't get Medicare and and we couldn't afford our medications and we just didn't want to burden our children with our hospital debt. That's what's going to happen to Gen X. I, I think my favorite conspiracy theory at the moment is the idea that COVID was actually created to wipe out the boomers. <laughs> it was created by the boomers to wipe out the boomers. No, nah, well, yeah, yes, but, yeah. but, but everybody, but the, the the argument is, is that everybody's been think, realizing that as the boomers started hitting Social Security and Medicare, that it was going to basically just put everything into financial collapse. So if you get rid of them and you don't need to spend all that money anymore, you've got stuff to do. Well, you know, I've heard worse theories. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say I agreed with it. I just said I thought I heard it and thought it was funny. Man, I, I, you know, I, I don't think that, uh, I don't think that we've caught up the, yet to just how bad the, the transfer of wealth has happened with the boomers yet as a generation. Uh, I just, I don't think the, the general public understands the, the stratospheric difference between what happened with those with that generation and what the rest of us are going to be stuck with and what's what's coming is this weird shifting of how slower society works which all of us are in if if you're listening to this cast trust me you're in lower society okay elon doesn't listen i am positive he doesn't we've got a couple Uh, listeners in california wait a minute he moved to austin didn't he yeah yeah. Oh, okay. Who had a couple of listeners from Texas? I, I was hoping Elon was going to be one of them. Yeah, I was probably the one. Uh, but <laughs> there's, there's, there's no, there, like, there's, you, you, we are unprepared for how the lower and middle class, uh, are, are, the society is going to change for us because it's, it's just not a, a pleasant topic to deal with because the, the elites don't want you to know. They have a plan, and you're screwed. They're desperately searching for ways to to do that. They're also searching for ways to get technology to the point where they don't have to explain that. It's just going to start sorting itself out because technology makes everything cheap. I know that's where we're headed, but I personally, I think we're about 80 to 100 years from that. And... And where everything like you, you're, there's a basic stipend or, or basic job commodity exchange where you can make a living fairly easily just by doing these things or whatever. And everything is reasonably paid for and you can just go about your business. I think we're 80 to 100 years from that. But I think it's coming, to be honest. I really do. Uh, technology can can make that happen here. I, and. I, I guess we're back to where I've been before on this one, which is I know that change is coming. I know that change needs to happen, has to happen. But what that's going to be scares me. It's that right now we're with the devil I know. 
Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I mean, and that's the part of of being far future, right? It's unfathomable. You cannot explain. Like I couldn't explain to ten year old Sean what life would be like in twenty twenty one. Like there's concepts there that that kid doesn't understand. And to try as I might, I wouldn't be able to give all the context to him that he would need to understand what life is like now. I like explain an internet to the kid, explain a cell phone, explain social media and the effect on society it's had. Explain, you know, the the wealth gap to him. You know, explain that technology exists and and yeah, we don't have flying cars, but in some ways it's better, in some ways it's worse than it was when he was a kid. And and the the vast difference. I mean, the we've got TVs now that are you know like half an inch thick, uh, but and we've got phones that that are more powerful than the most powerful supercomputer on the planet when I was ten years old. Um, satellite networks, long distance calls are a thing of the past. You know, I mean GPS. Yeah, uh, that was science fiction. I mean, I, 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 this is something I've always used in order to kind of explain to some people who haven't recognized it, the amount of, of that has changed in the time periods that it's changed. My brother is 10 years younger than I am. OK, in that 10 year period of time, he cannot remember a time period in which when you left the house, you were out of touch. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and now, now we're not necessarily always talking cell phones. I mean, sometimes there was beepers and car phones at the very least. But the idea that if you left the house, you were required to check in because if not, no one could find you. Yeah, funny that. Uh, Nowadays I get pissed if my daughter doesn't call me back within five minutes of me texting her. Right. <laughs> right. You know, I mean... I I remember going to school and you're I left the house, walked uh, a half mile to school with my friends in shitty Chicago. Uphill both ways, no shoes, snow. I mean, no, I mean, it was it was bad, but it wasn't, you know, I mean, it wasn't old person bad. But I mean, it's it's not it's not any of that. But but my mom didn't know where I was. For most of the day, like I'd leave for school and then come back and like there, she couldn't text me. I can text my eight year old. You know, I know she tells me when she's on the bus. She tells me when she's home. And, she and, tells me, you know, and there's a I, certain level of fear that we have now that we didn't have then, though. I right. Mean, if you hadn't heard from your kid all day, it was just you, you hadn't heard from your kid all day. You, you did. You weren't worried about whether or not you were going to ever hear from them again. Yeah, no, there's because of that constant contact, you're worried, you know, about the lack of it. Um, and you do. You do. You just want to know they're safe. You want to know they're OK. You want to know this and that or whatever. And, you know, we had free range parents. I mean, I'd leave the house on my bike at eight o'clock on Saturday morning and my mom didn't know where the hell I was until dark. In fact, she'd be pissed if you came back and bugged her. 
Oh, yeah. Now, sometimes you can all show up as a group and all want lunch, and, you know, mom made lunch for everybody, and you had juice and sandwich and chips and stuff, and then a couple Oreos, and then all of the swarming pack would head back out, and you just go cause more trouble in the neighborhood all day. But that was about the only time your mom saw you. And the only time they'd get, no, they didn't get worried when you weren't home on time. They get pissed. <laughs> yeah, they got mad. Um, well, where were you? Well, at that point, it wasn't the fact that they were worried about you. It was the fact that you were holding up their day now. Yeah. You know, now you're a problem for me. You know, like, that's that's how that worked. You know, now they're late, and you're like, oh, my God, what happened? So I, I, <laughs> it's a little different. Like, my mom had no idea where I was. I was three miles down in another subdivision. You know, she didn't know where the hell I am. Yeah, nowadays, as long as my kid's got her phone with her, I can tell you where she is 24 hours of the day. Yeah. Yeah. So. And, and, uh, and I don't even have to be the one to tell her to keep her phone with her. There's no way she's leaving it anywhere on her own. Oh, isn't that funny? Yeah, it's the greatest weapon a parent has now. I'll take your phone. You know, or <laughs> or I'll disable texting, you know. Uh, it's, it's, it's weird. Technology has changed life in so many ways and it's going to change it further. Like you have no idea. We grew up analog. We're in a digital world. We remember what that's like. My daughters, you're both our daughters don't. Oh, hell no. The internet has existed for their entire lives. So is cell phones, you know, or, or smartphones, um, Bluetooth, <laughs> I'm just even just as something as simple as TV. I'm sitting here thinking about my kid and my wife who like the same TV show, sitting down going, "We're gonna watch it." Versus, we missed it. My my daughters still do not understand the concept of commercial breaks in television shows, and I had that, to. That, exp- was, that, that was when you got up to pee. Right. That snacks and all that kind of stuff, and somebody stood guard and made sure to yell out to the rest of the house, it's back on! You know, like, but everybody else, pew, you know, s- split. Someone went to the bathroom, somebody went to get snacks, all that kind of stuff. I was they do Mad not. Max from the, uh, uh, the Wolf of Wall Street. Who the fuck would call us at 9 o'clock on a Tuesday night? <laughs> <laughs> Don't they know the equalizer's on? <laughs> Exactly. I mean, like you'd have to be home to watch a show and everybody watched and you watched what your dad watched because dad controlled the remote. And there was only one TV. You remember that? Wait a minute. Your dad had a remote. You weren't the remote. Oh, no. The first TV we had, I was the remote. Okay. And uh, then my brother broke the uh, turn knob and then we had pliers. And then um, the TV, one of the color guns went out. You millennials, you won't know what that is. One of the color guns <laughs> went out, and everything was green. And um, then we went and got another TV, and it was—I remember this like it was yesterday. It was a Zenith, and it had a, a button or a button remote. And when you pushed it, it was called a clicker. And my dad still calls it a clicker to this uh-huh. day because when you push the buttons, it clicked. It wasn't like the normal buttons that you have on a remote today, where they're soft and all that kind of stuff. It made noise. It click, click, click. And it was like magic had happened in our home. <laughs> uh, and then a couple years later, another magic device showed up, and it was called a VCR. And you could record shows on programs. 
by the way. You had to leave the TV on the channel and have the TV on. But you could record on a timer and record your show and and watch it later and fast forward through the commercials. It was like we were living in the future. Oh, it was amazing. Um, and then somebody got the bright idea to get two forehead VCRs stacked together so you could record the rental tapes from wherever you were renting them from and rip movies. Uh And my father was the biggest fucking movie pirate you've ever met in Uh, your entire life. Yep. I I still remember having to try to explain the idea of TiVo to my dad. You know, my... <laughs> he couldn't I, understand I, how with live TV you could press pause. Oh, my God, yeah. Oh, isn't that funny? <laughs> we would only watch TV. We had a TiVo, and it was like a magic box. Um, we we left home, and this was our first apartment, and I bought maybe our second apartment. I can't remember. Anyway, I bought one of the original TiVos, and I paid the 300 bucks for it, and it was a lifetime, quote-unquote, subscription. Before they started going to a subscription model, it was a lifetime license deal. So we paid 300 bucks for it, and we made that bitch last for like eight and a half years so we didn't have to pay for the subscription. And we wouldn't watch television real time. Unless it was TiVo'd. We would, right, unless it was TiVo'd, or if we were recording it and we were actually watching it when it occurred, we'd hit pause at the very beginning, go make dinner or do something else, and wait till it had a, a, enough steam that we could fast forward through all the commercials. I mean, and we thought it was the best invention ever. I mean, uh, my wife literally cried when the TiVo broke. <laughs> um, it was it was so disheartening, and I wasn't going to replace it because it was like twenty five dollars a month or something like that. And and I'm like, no, we we can just we can deal without. It's fine. And it was right between the time before, uh, you know, smart TVs and apps came along, and and uh, really the the cutting the cord of of satellite. I I finally got my father to cut the cord and go over to just Hulu, and it mm-hmm. was like it, 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 as he was talking about the planet guy, he's like, and they and they even have a DVR. I'm like, you you don't need it. What do you, you mean you, I don't need it? You don't need you that. Don't it's need all it. on. It's, it's on the. It's in. It's in the library, Dad. Just, just go. Yeah, just, just go search your show. Just go tell it what you want to watch, and it's there. <laughs> it's, it's so funny because it's in it. It changes society. Just the way we do things, the way we spend our time. I remember, you know, um, seeing the Netflix commercial where everybody was watching a different TV in a different room. And different shows. And I'm like, well, that's not family together time. Because I had always done that. We had always piled in the same room and watched a show because that's what was on, right? You have to do that now. You can watch whatever the hell you want. If somebody doesn't want to watch that, they're going to peel off into whatever bedroom and whatever device they have and watch something else. And I caught myself doing this. <clears throat> this happened yesterday. This is a real world example. I'm in the bedroom. Um, leafing through TikTok, which is a horrible, horrible way to spend your time. But I, I did it because I, <laughs> I was up and I was congested and I had just taken medicine and I couldn't fall asleep yet. And, um, you know, rolling through TikTok videos. My wife is in, I, uh, the door is closed. The wife 
is in the living room watching Winona Earp and rolling through, you know, her phone and stuff like that as she's doing. The girls are asleep. And I start, I found a couple of cool videos and I started texting them, links to them to my wife on the other side of the wall. And then she was texting me back and I could hear her laughing. She's like, and she's shouting back to me, that was a great one. And, and then the girls want to come see him and then everything. And I'm like, oh my God, we can't even interact in the same fucking room. <laughs> I mean, we're texting back and forth. We're watching multiple streams of different stuff. And, and it's just like, it's, it's weird. I couldn't explain that to 10 year old Sean. Like, this is how your life is going to work, man. Imagine, and that's, and I lived it, and I'm sure I wouldn't have understood. So imagine, all that to say, imagine 50, 80, 100 years from now, how technology will equally change society in ways that are unfathomable, both good and bad. Uh, I I understand where you're going, and I agree with you. And I guess where my duality comes in and where my sense of pessimism comes in is are we going to be in that place where technology in the world is something that we can't describe at this point in our lives or can't even fathom or are we just going to be living in a hole in the ground yes both oh okay yeah no i i think both yeah no it'll be it'll be equally amazing and terrible I think that's really how we move forward. If you look at um, look at how society viewed things 50 years ago versus today, um, we would think ourselves amoral from almost every aspect from then to now. And while we think we've progressed, they would think it's gone – it's it's gone downhill. Um, I, I think it'll be largely like that too. We won't understand a man out of time cannot understand. Let me rephrase that: a person out of time cannot <laughs> understand what's happening back or forward. You know, uh, backwards. I think if you go far back enough, you know, like if you took somebody from today and put them in the 1200s, they'd be executed as a witch in about 15 minutes. Uh, upon their first meeting, a, a a any city or any colonized town or anything like that. I mean, it's just the ideas we have are so progressive and so forward-thinking, and the notions that we think are commonplace and moral today would get you killed a couple oh, hundred and, years and, ago. And it, and it goes the the opposite direction, and it goes faster than ever before. I mean, Margaret right. Atwood of all people is being, you know butchered by feminists at the moment <laughs> right so like you're like okay how the hell did we get here you know like <laughs> you know uh, i mean it, you know what's what's next the catholic church is going to demonize uh mother Teresa. i mean come on i mean I, the 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 problem we're going to have is is society technology changes society that's we know that to be true radical technology changes society as much as the technical leap forward 
for the first generation. It's the generation after that, the unintended consequences, the unintended uses. Like as soon as like Gen X uses basically uses social media as it was intended to be used. The millennials and Gen Z use it as a way of life. And I, I, I shudder to think what the technology that the millennials and the Gen Zs come up with that Gen Alpha goes, oh, yeah, we know what to do with that. We're going to do this. We won't. We'll be like boomers. We will simply not be able to fathom it <laughs> because Alpha is our millennials, right? There's well, there's a step so, between them. So the question is, is at what point is our grandchildren rolling their eyes at us? Oh God, Granddad, just put the chip in your head. No, that's <laughs> no. We can't put chips in our head. Just, I, and then you do, and then you're like, it's not working. Now, did you blink your eyes twice? Just blink your eyes twice. That activates it. No, it's not working. Okay, if you do three times, it shuts it off. So, like, you're doing something. God, granddad, you suck so hard. How do you not understand this? Like, like it'll, it, it, it'll be unfathomable. We won't be able to deal with the change, right? We won't be able to understand, like, your analogy of the teacher. Like, I, they're speaking a different language. I don't know what they're saying. We won't be able to do it. We can adjust to millennials and Gen Z, right? We're going to have no freaking clue what Alpha's doing. We have no idea. So, and the, and the generation behind them. So it's, it's going to be so far beyond us that, you know, the, the world we live in, we're not going to understand a hundred years from now. You and I, like, you know, we will be, you know, fast forward us a hundred years. We're going to look around and go, I don't know what any of this is. I don't know how this works. <laughs> what the hell is going on? You know, it'll be kind of cool. Right. But you always wish for that. And I, I'm a, and it's funny cause my wife is a, is she looks to the past. She's a historian. She loves looking at the past. I'm a futurist. I love thinking about what happens in the future. I see. And, and, and I'm the weird one who likes to take what's gone in the past and relating it to what we hope to see or might see in the future, which maybe is um, why I'm a pessimist. <laughs> yeah, because if you apply history, um, we screw everything up. <laughs> yeah. There's nothing. There's no clean anything. Right. Everything's well, got I dirt mean, on if, it. If you think about it, take, even if you add COVID into the mix and the time periods in which things have tended to cycle through and happen within um, the, not just our country, but the world as a whole, we're in line for something really fucked up and devastating to happen in the extreme near future. I'm hoping I make it right up into the point where I'm retired by the time it happens. I know that won't happen and we'll never retire. But I'm hoping I'm living in a place I've paid for off the grid by the time I get there. I'm hurrying as fast <laughs> as we can. Yeah, and, I, and I'm going to show up with a, a with a backpack and a rifle slung over my shoulder going, I'm here. I made it. Hey, we expected you. We got a room right for you. Here, come on down. You know, help us fix guns. Uh, it's it's going to be terrible. Um, Where, where's the kid? She just laughed at me and told me to go. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, mine too. Come on back. Yeah. <laughs> Got a room right for you. That noise? No, that's beef. He lives down below us. It's fine. In the underground, we don't speak of it. Uh, yeah, we, we just breathe in the fumes coming up from the vents. 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, we know he's there because he's still smoking. You know. Uh, sometimes if you leave a gift under the gummy tree, he brings you something. You know. Um, okay, this is completely, totally, and utterly besides the point. And I'm just going to share it anyway. The guy who lives across the street from me is a ex-soldier suffering from PTSD who has his medical marijuana card. And every morning you can walk outside and he is sitting on his back porch just smoking away. And I walked up to him the other day and went, you know what? I come outside every morning and just the aroma of the day makes me feel smiley and happy. (laughs) Damn right. (laughs) And he looked me dead in the eye and went happy. I can help. (laughs) You damn right. You know, I mean, it's. It's going to get to the point where, first of all, we're too invested in the old world. I don't think we're going to be able to move with it correctly. Well, that, I mean, that even goes back to what I've been continuously saying is the way things are, the devil I know. I know they need a change, but the change scares the shit out of me. And it should, you know, because we're right in the path. We're not elites. We're not young. We can't stick and move. We're invested in the system that we currently have. Anytime a company has a giant change, who gets axed first? It's middle management. That's what we are effectively in the generational game. Gen X is right in the middle. We are caught in the middle of the culture war. And it doesn't work out for those. It doesn't work out well for those people. But I I do have hope for the future. I think our kids' lives eventually will be better because of the change that's going to happen. Um, I think we're going to be largely screwed, but our kids' lives is going to be better. Um, our grandchildren's lives may be better uh, because because there will have to be a tectonic shift in the way economy works, in the way business works, in the way manufacturing works, in the way uh, society in general works. Because if you do this, you're just going to run into the ground. And that may be the plan uh, right now, but you can only run into the ground so long. And long term, I have great hope for us because of the way technology is, is advancing. When I was your age, we actually went to the movies and enjoyed an experience out in the world. <gasps> Granddad, people breathed on you? You didn't just have it beamed into your skull? You didn't live in a hole? <laughs> you need to take those crazy-ass ideas and go back in your hole, all right? You need to go back there and just think about what you've said. Yeah, no, it'll be like that. I mean, I haven't... Dude, I haven't been to a movie theater in two and a half years. Oh, I still love going to the movies. I did too. Haven't been to one. Don't <laughs> miss it. It's weird. Uh, Dude came out on simulcast on HBO Max, and I went, oh, thank God. <laughs> I don't have to go see it. Well, I can see it here. I belong to one of the movie theaters, uh, things where you give them X number of dollars a month and you can see as many movies as you want. So does Shannon. And yeah. uh, it, as much as they put it on hold when COVID was, well, was in its stride, now that they actually are putting movies in the theater again, they started billing me and won't cancel it for a year whether I use it or not. So I figure I might as well use it. <laughs> you know, you can fix that. Change your credit card. Oh, yeah, I know, but I actually do like going to the movies. As long as there's something to go see, I'm happy. (laughs) I mean, for what they charge you, if I see two movies a month, I've paid for it. Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of the thing. I just I I kind of 
the, the pandemic didn't do good things for me because of my antisocial nature anyway. So, I mean, it's oh, made I, me more I, of a stay at home and not have to talk to anybody. That was awesome. Oh, my God. It made me more of a recluse than I already was. So, I mean, it's I, <laughs> it's bad. I'm actually more like you were now than I was two years ago. I mean, go outside, talk to people. No, I'm going to count my guns in my bunker. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to the ranch and blow stuff up. That's what I'm going to do. awesome. I know. So, yeah, I don't don't have a lot of hope short term. And midterm is really what I'm scared of. Long term is really what I have hope for. And I do have hope. I think we'll – I think – a lot of this stuff is going to be fixed. We'll have different problems, problems we don't currently understand. But a lot of the problems you and I are scared of right now, I think will be largely fixed. Oh, we'll just have to worry about the Klingons. Nah. Nah, we make great pets. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Oh, well, at some point when we go back to the doom and gloom, we'll start discussing you know, how we think the world's going to end, which, uh, which apocalypse is going to hit us. Hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm still going uh, for an inside job. I think that's what's uh, going to happen for us. I don't think it'll be external. I think we'll kill ourselves way before that. If, if we're going to do that, I think it'll be us. But but uh, you know, which is why we need to get the hell off this planet. Um, that's <laughs> you know, because the uh, the greatest threat to us is us. <laughs> we are way more much immediate than than any other universal external death. Well, we've managed to end this one on less doom and gloom and a little bit more hope. So let's 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 cut this off while we're yeah. Around. Oh no, I think so. I think I think that's good. I think long term, I think I think it's there's a lot of hope. I really do. Well, so that's where we come to an end for this week's edition. Uh, Yepix, I may not agree with you, but I appreciate you. Please keep sending stuff in. Um, with all that, have a good evening.